welcome to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to Godsense, as we take a look at some of the issues going on in this world from a biblical perspective. And we're on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm joined with Dan Delzell. You might recognize his voice, but this is actually the first time we've actually had to meet each other in person. Yes, it is. After many, many years of being on the telephone and on the uh, radio and podcasting via remotely, we're actually together and we're talking about uh, the idea of racism and, and some of the things that go along with that and how the world right now is really upside down with race tensions and other things. And so what we're going to do is we have this open chair here, the hot seat, and in a little bit we're going to go and try to get some people to fill that hot seat and talk with them about their ideas and perspectives on the world that's going on. And, and Dan, I guess when we take a look at some of the things going on in this world, you know, since the last time we talked, things really haven't settled down. And in fact, the last couple times we've talked, things are still pretty go, uh, going pretty strongly, and it doesn't look like there seems to be any end in sight right now. You know, Sam, that's exactly right, and it's really incredible when you um, when you get a sense of just the momentum and how much it swings one way or the other, um, and, and it really causes you to, to wonder, you know, are we going to get this sort of a response every time now we have a, uh, a violation on video? I mean, granted, these have been some horrific things, and obviously, you know, the George Floyd being the, the biggest uh, offensive uh, video that we've had, and, and his mur- murder, of course. But, um, yes, it, it's very hard to predict where this thing is going to go and, and what's going to happen now in the next 5, 10 years because there are bound to be um, some more situations. I mean, of course, the, the one in Atlanta just, just occurred now in, in recent days, and, and we saw, uh, you know, what that brought about. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a crazy time, and more than ever, we see how much people need stability. And, of course, as you and I know, uh, that, that rock is, is Christ. He is the one that they need, especially today with, with everything being so topsy-turvy and, and uh, just swinging so quickly one way, in the, one way or the other. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting now when, uh, when we've talked about how we're all made in God's image in the past and, and how maybe during the time of the lockdown we should reflect upon our lives and the things that are going on. But it almost seems like people aren't really doing that, but what they're doing is they're looking for an outlet, and this might have been the thing that gives them their outlet because they've been on lockdown. They are out of work. They're out of school. There's really nothing going on. Right. And, it's, and it's almost like too bad that that's the outlet that they need versus something that could be a little bit more productive, maybe a little bit more creative and a little bit more pro-world, pro-human. You know, I think outlet is a good word for it, Son, and it does seem like it, it was a perfect storm of things. You know, as you said, people were, were locked down. Um, they, they, they were wanting to get out. And then on top of that, you really have, at least in my sense, a younger generation that has pretty much been conditioned to believe that that, that rioting is a way to get your voice heard and to get change made. And so it seems like that message over the last 10 to 15 years has been pushed to the point where we're seeing a lot of people that now uh, I think have bought into it and, and that truly believe that if you want to get, make change, you know, go to these extremes, go to violence. And, and, and we're seeing people now bow down to that because they don't want to be labeled as, as, as racist. They don't want to be labeled as this or that. But we're seeing major, uh, you know, uh, institutions and, and groups, whether it be, um, you know, a, a police group, whether it be a, a, a group with the government. But, I mean, they're making some radical decisions that I think are largely based on how strong and how violent the response has been. So that doesn't seem to bode well for, you know, where, where things are heading. 
Yeah, I know we've talked about in the past how people are looking for something to fill the void in their life, and they like to try different things, whether it be uh, another type of religion, let's say Buddha, for example, or maybe it's they want to save the earth and heal the bay, and, and they put their efforts into that, or maybe it's like their diet because they want to be vegan. And so they take on these other things to try to fill the void in their life, and this seems to be one of those things where there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of frustration from many years of this uh, strife that's been going on, right. and, and it seems like this protesting, looting, rioting tends to or seems to be filling a void for some people, not everybody, but some people, and they're looking to this to fill the void that's empty in their yes. life. Yes, ultimately, you know, as we know, um, there is a God-shaped hole within every human being, and, and you need God to fill that for you to be complete, for you to have, you know, the peace of God in your life. You know, the Bible talks on about, you know, the peace of God, but also peace with God. And, and, the peace, and peace with God is established as a person repents of their sin and accepts Christ as Savior. Now you've got that relationship. But, but then the peace of God is something that it, it, it's fluid. And, and the more that we walk with the Lord and trust the Lord and do His will, uh, the more of His peace then that we have. But with the looting and the rioting and so forth, you've, you've got people that don't seem to have any anchors in their life. They don't seem to be rooted to, um, to the one who created them. And so, you know, what, what do they do? How do they respond then when, when things go so sideways as they did with the, the George Floyd murder? And, and, but, you know, the world is always going to go sideways. If we, don't, if we don't turn to the Lord and find out how to deal with that when it happens in an appropriate way, in a helpful way, rather than in a, a destructive way, we're only going to end up destroying ourselves and, um, you know, other aspects of society around us. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, I've kind of noticed through social media, because social media, I don't really put a lot of stock in it, but it gives you an idea of what some people are thinking. And, and depending on your, your social media framework, can give you an idea of what maybe a group of people are thinking. Mm-hmm. And it seems that a lot of people want to be on the right side of history, mm. but yet they might be doing it with the wrong approach. And I find that kind of sad because I had a conversation with a guy through social media and he was, you know, kind of upset at me for calling him out on some things. And and I was telling him and he was like, why are you getting after me for being because I want to be on the right side of this. And I'm like, you can be on the right side of this, but you can also do it the wrong way or you can be on the right side of something and do it the right way. And I think people are kind of getting confused and there's no guidance. There's no direction. And oftentimes it goes back to the fact that if you don't have a a moral good, which which we've talked about, moral good equals. That has to be a God to give us moral good, to give yes. us evil. Yes. So without that thought there, without that belief, yes. it's just kind of helter-skelter. Yes, and I go back to the word I used a moment ago, son. If you're not anchored in the Lord, then you are really just floating with, with the whims and with the passions and with the uh, the mood of the moment. And, and we see that with this, you know, what people call the mob mentality. You know, um, you know anybody who's allowing himself or herself to get caught up in the mob mentality, we, we see how many people uh, who, who participate in that end up getting hurt themselves, whether it's the person whose eye gets shot out with the, the gas canister, you know, uh, that the police are using to try to disperse the crowd, or whether it be the retired police officer there in St. Louis who is trying to guard his friend's store, and then he gets shot by by some some rioters and so forth. Um, You know, it it is not the way that any society uh, should ever be, be operating, but it really does begin, I believe, in the home. It begins 
with, with what parents are instructing their children as far as the right way and the wrong way to respond to injustice because we've certainly seen you know uh, plenty of injustice not just recently but even in our history as, as great as America is we all know about the injustice that has occurred as well uh, but but in spite of that we, we need the Lord to help us to rise above that because otherwise we'll just destroy ourselves we'll, we'll allow you know uh, feelings of racism to, to to dominate you know the culture and and God's love for all people regardless of race or religion is so great we we, we want to try to invite people and encourage people tap into that source of love and and then watch what happens the next time the mob mentality kicks in you'll find yourself with some restraint in your life you'll find yourself with um, an ability a god-given ability to say no to just lawlessness uh, even though what, what was done was very wrong uh, it, it was horrible what happened but but we, we can't be controlled by that or else again we just end up destroying ourselves yeah, I kind of find it interesting that people are looking for something, and they're looking for something to hold on to, and, and you kind of get this group mentality of like-minded people, and it's going to either be like-minded people that are going to be peaceful, or there's going to be like-minded people that are going to be with the violence, the looting, the protesting, and maybe stuff that you've got going on in Seattle where you're going to occupy something. Yeah. But again, nothing's really being accomplished. Nothing is really being achieved because there's such a divide with yeah. either this side or that side of the issue. And it's almost like politics continues to drive the division. But if we get to the point where we look at it from a different perspective, and that's why I like to say, you know, look at this through the biblical perspective, because the worldly perspective right now just isn't working. No, no. Uh, the, the biblical perspective that you refer to, Son, of course, steers a person in the direction of the, the person who handled every situation perfectly. Uh, yes, granted, there were some times when, when Jesus himself displayed righteous anger, you know, when he was driving the money changes out of the temple uh, and so forth. But, but um, those situations at times are handled the way they need to be um, by people in authority if they're handling it the right way, if they're doing the right thing, uh, if they're not um, taking advantage and, and uh you know, going to an extreme in terms of um, using uh, lethal weapons when, when they're not needed. But, but Jesus is a beautiful model of, of how to um, address injustice, uh, but also how to do so calmly. Um, granted, we all know there'll be times when the, when the police have to get very aggressive. I mean, who wants a society, Son, that is just at the mercy of the looters, of the rioters? That's why, you know, I, I think most Americans would, would say this whole defund the police idea it's as insane as some of the other ideas that our culture has produced in recent years. Um, and it, it just is coming out of nowhere. But again, if you're not rooted into something that is eternal, you end up, you know, developing some ideas that are uh, absolutely, you know, ridiculous and harmful and deadly. And, and so all of these things point to one thing, and that is, you know, getting it back to the source of what is um, absolute you know, what is uh, eternal? You know, that question that uh, Pontius Pilate, you know, asked Jesus before, um, you know, he had him uh, sentenced to death was, you know, what is truth? And I think today in our day here, 2,000 years after the, the crucifixion of Christ and after his resurrection, people are still struggling with what is truth. And, and if someone will turn to the, to the Lord... Uh, the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A person can find that, not only that 
that peace and stability and that anchor for your life, but most of all, the forgiveness of your own sins and, and eternal life for the Lord. And I think that's one thing that gets lost in this. You know, with everything splashed across the media, um, we, we, we see what other people are doing wrong, but that doesn't turn our eyes enough on where our own hearts are going astray and where we need the Lord for that change. So um, it, it, it's just not a situation that... Uh, is, is, is helping a lot of people right now. And it's those who are turning to the Word of God, turning to prayer, talking to Christ, who are finding, you know, I can rise above even this time. I mean, we just came out of the coronavirus. I shouldn't say came out of it. We're still in it. But we just came through that all the, you know, a couple months with that. And, and now we've got, you know, this to deal with. But, boy, if there was ever a time that people need the Lord, it, it's today. Yeah, you know, one of the things, too, that's kind of interesting is that uh, when you have a foundation in something, whether it's a foundation in a belief, a foundation in, let's take, for example, the Marine Corps or the military, you know, they've got a core value of beliefs. I talked with a guy, Pat Williams. He's the uh, vice president of the Orlando Magic, and he wrote a book about uh, West Point and the, and the different character traits that are carved in stone at West Point. Mm. And so then everybody that goes through West Point is, uh, learns these character traits, and it becomes the core of their belief. And so, for example, one story was, uh, I think it was uh, Duke head basketball coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski, mm. where... Uh, something was amiss with his shoes or something, and he tried to, at first, uh, talk his way out of it, excuse his way out of it, and then he realized, okay, no, at the core value was to own it. Yeah. And so he, he fessed up and owned whatever it was. And, but yes. anyways, so he was driven by a core value system that yes. he was learning through West Point. Yes. It seems like right now we don't have anybody out there really that are or we're lacking a core value system mm-hmm. that – what we talk about through the Bible and through Jesus, but we lack that core value system because it's kind of like the chaff. The wind's just driving away, or you're like the, um, yes. the jellyfish in the ocean just bobbing with the ebbs and flow of the tide. That's right. And, and so one, so for, and here's the point. So one bad cop, for example, does something wrong. All bad cops. Right, you know, all cops right. are bad to fund yeah, everything. paint them all with a broad right. brush. But on the flip side, if one looter does something wrong, well, you can't lump all the protesters in because they're all peaceful. And there's right. a contradiction there, a yes. hypocrisy, so to speak, because yes. I think we're lacking that core value system yes. of belief, and we just kind of go with whatever the mob tells us to do. Well, and, and we live in a culture, Son, where people are putting more stock many times in feelings than in facts, whether those facts have to do with biology or whether those facts have to do with the, the highest system uh, that's given to us, and that's the, the facts of Scripture. I mean, you know, in, in Scripture we're told uh, what is absolute across the board, and, and, and while Scripture does not get into some of these other areas of science and so forth and, and biology, you know, for example, the Bible makes it very clear that, you know, God created uh, both man and woman, that God created Adam and Eve. You know, even something as basic as that today uh, is kind of being thrown under the bus when people rely more on feelings. You know, if somebody comes along and says, I feel this way about this religion or about my my gender or about uh, this race, um, you know, so many folks, it seems, are putting stock in that rather than in the facts. And, and, and if you base your life on feelings, uh, you'll have no true stability. And, and ultimately, unless you're willing to base your life on the facts of Scripture, uh, as God's given us his law and his gospel and the Ten Commandments, which show us that we're sinful, and then in the gospel which says, but hey, wait, God loves you, and through Christ you can be forgiven as you trust in him. Unless 
a person based their, their bases their life in those facts, they're always going to be like that balloon. You know, here we are in Lincoln. You know, every time here in the stadium, in Memorial Stadium, when the Cornhuskers score for the first time, you know, hundreds, thousands of red balloons are are. are Floating up into the air, and you know, in many ways, that's a that's kind of a symbol of what we've seen during these these riots and looting. People just untethered to anything that is um, that is permanent. Uh, it's also temporary. I mean, you know, this week it'll be the the huge abuse uh, and, and death and murder of George Floyd, but who knows what it's going to be next week? And and if you're going to live your life like that balloon, then it's all going to depend on which way the wind is blowing. But if you're rooted in Christ then you have an anchor, you have a structure, you have a system, and most of all, you have the guarantee of eternal life with the Lord in heaven. We're here on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, as we've taken our conversation on the road, and hopefully coming up, we've got an empty chair next to me, as you can see. I want to try to fill that chair with some people and get some comments from others that are just kind of passing by to see what they have to think on the matter. And so, uh, again, Lincoln, Nebraska, is where we're at on the streets with Dan Dalzell, a guy that I've been talking to, having conversations with for a while now, and this is the first time we've been able to meet up in person to do something like this. And, and Dan, we take a look, you know, um, I'm from Los Angeles out there on the West Coast, or the Left Coast, as people call it. You're in the heartland here and in, in the Omaha Papillion area and happen to be in Lincoln, the state capital. But when you take a look at what's going on, because you can see the news and you get an understanding of what's going on in the big city like L.A., like New York, even Chicago, of course, Minnesota, which is you know ground zero for this. But what's the sentiment from the people that you come across uh, here in the heartland when you look at people on the on these cities, in these cities that are protesting, looting, rioting? I mean, just even if you took it out of a biblical perspective, yeah. just from a, like an American patriot perspective, yes. Yes. you know, what, what's the mindset? What are people thinking? Well, you know, I, I tell you, son, to a person, you know, uh, the folks that I've talked to, I haven't talked to one person who even begins to think that what happened to George Floyd was in any way justified, you know, but it was murder, you know. Uh, so across the board, that's what I'm hearing from folks. Likewise, I haven't heard one person who has justified the looting as an appropriate response. Uh, I mean, protesting, peaceful protesting, fine. I mean, you know, I think most people would, would, would agree with that. But but the rioting and the looting, you know, I haven't talked to anybody who, who thinks that that's an appropriate or a helpful way to respond. So my, my, my guess is, Son, that, um, you know, here in the heartland, um, you know, the, the, the 90 plus percent of people would, would look at those two things the way that hopefully, you know, you know, 75, 80, 85 percent out in L.A. Would, would look at it. And that is, you know, these are on the extremes. They're both wrong. You know, we, we've got to we've got to find a way to bring good training to the officers and try to stop what would happen there from from ever happening again. But then we also have to find a way to teach people that, that rioting is absolutely uh, a horrible and, and lethal and harmful way to respond. So if somehow we can, you know, educate the folks who are involved in those two things. And again, like you said, I mean, I think there would be so few police officers that hopefully would ever even come close to engaging in what, you know, Derek Chauvin in, in, in engaged in. You know, I've heard people say, you know, maybe... You know, maybe let's say if 3% of the officers are bad apples or so forth, they said the other officers know who they are, and, and they, they, they can work to try to weed them out. But also, then on the side of the rioting and the looting, we need parents, uh, we need others to, to teach people, you know, how to respond in a way that, that um, uh, does not bring destruction. But again, I go back to something that I, I said a little while ago, Simon, and that is the challenge we face is this. When people are be, being fed an ideology 
that, that, that violence is the way to respond, okay? Um, that that this, is, this is the way you get change. And then when they see changes happen, I, I'm afraid it's only going to be encouraging more of the same. And so unless man's heart is changed, um, I don't hold out much hope that we're, we're going to see rioters stop rioting and looters stop looting. Um, ultimately, it comes down to an individual level of the heart because otherwise people, there will always going to be people who get swept up in that moment. It's kind of like, you know, the prisons are always going to have plenty of people in them. I, I think we live at a time now where, I hate to say it, but uh, unless there's like a grand revival that involves, you know, you know, 80% of the, of the, of the American uh, people, um, there always are going to be those on the on the extremes who are going to maybe take advantage if they're in uniform, um, and then those on the other side who are going to respond with their own violence. So um, I don't know this side of heaven if we're ever going to ultimately see the kind of heaven on earth we desire. And, and but but we can we can help if we get down to the ideology of it and 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 try to instruct people on why. The, the whole violent idea of responding, why that is so wrong on so many levels and how that doesn't help people of any race and how that's, you know, just as deadly as, as racism can be. You know, Dan Delzell with us here on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, and that's the uh, hustle and bustle of the city behind us. And one of the things, Dan, that comes to mind is, you know, pride. Oftentimes we talk about uh, topics that maybe we find you know, a little, uh, I don't say offensive, but hard to swallow maybe. And, and racism is one of those. We like to think that what we believe or what we've been taught is true. And so our pride keeps us from changing or pride, no matter what side of the fence you're on. You know, I know uh, talking with one guy and he was telling me that people identify as being the oppressed. Well, there's people that identify with being the oppressor. And it takes a change, like you said, of heart. But also maybe I think we have to kind of swallow our ego a little bit, our pride a little bit and whatever we have on our exterior to really understand what's going on and to make that change because people always want to be right. We're in such a narcissistic society where we're right, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to change you and you're not going to change me. And that's just the, the state that we're in. So I think it's hard for people to come together and have conversations because they don't want to hear the other side. And if they do, they don't want to listen and understand. They just want to know that they're right and they want to be validated. And I see that especially a lot in social media. Yeah, social media does seem to exasperate that, doesn't it, Son? And and there's so much tension. Uh, you know, it, it's like a, a spark is lit um, so many times today with social media. You know, when when somebody, um, may, maybe a, a, an athlete or a famous a person in Hollywood or a politician, I mean, my goodness, we've seen it across the board. But whenever, and even many times when, when somebody who's, who's a, a nobody, you know, uh, by that what I mean is in, in terms of the culture's view of them, uh, you know, somebody who is unknown, I guess, is a better way to put that. Uh, almost like this this guy and his buddies who here a week or so ago, they were trying to reenact the uh, the George Floyd incident with their, their, their pickup and some people out there on the lawn. And, and then that went viral, of course. Uh, I mean, a totally inappropriate way to respond. You don't even have to be a famous person to go viral. All you have to do is something is do something outrageous. And, and so many of these things then just exasperate and, and inflame passions. And uh, so, yes... Uh, the, the social media sign is uh, is not helping us. Uh, although I will say this, um, you know that video now in Atlanta with the uh, the police officer who ended up shooting uh, that uh, the the black man in the back. Uh, at least everybody can look at that and determine for themselves. 
you know, was it justified or not when this guy's turned around, he's, he's pointed a taser at him, he's shooting him. I mean, imagine if that had not been on video. Imagine if all that you heard was that now here um, we had another officer. This time he shot a black man running away, shot him in the back. Can you imagine the rioting that might have come? So in that sense, the video at least shows a reason maybe why the officer in some way felt led to do what he did. So it, it can work both ways. And, and I'll tell you, as hard as it was to watch that video of George Floyd, for all of the negative that it's brought, we can only hope and pray that, that in the end, good will come from it by exposing it and, and, and then by um, enough people working and praying for change and then making the, the necessary changes themselves uh, with any racist tendencies or any violent tendencies or any tendencies to just go into a store and steal something if, if you have the opportunity to do that. I mean, you know, that just goes to the depth of man's depravity. You know, his willingness to do whatever he thinks he can get away with, whether it maybe be an officer who thinks, well, I can get away with this, or a looter who thinks I can get away with this. So um, man has got a heart issue that he needs God, he needs forgiveness, he needs Christ. And, and so we are blessed on uh, to be able to invite people to, you know, bring your sin to the Lord and he will forgive you. He'll give you a new heart and, and, uh, he'll help. He'll help tremendously with all these things we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and one of the things, if you want to show true character and you were stealing tennis shoes from Santa Monica, California or other places, you know, return them, take them back. Yeah. You know, I mean, that'd be one way talking about change of heart and taking proactive steps. I mean, yeah. take stuff, take back the stuff you took. Um, the other thing, Dan, that's kind of interesting, you mentioned the heart, because, again, there seems to be justification. And we talk about the Atlanta shooting that, OK, it happened at a Wendy's. Wendy's had zero responsibility for it. Right. Months, right. much like other businesses and stuff. But, I mean, right. it just happened to be the location. Right. So what's this mentality? What kind of heart do you have to have to then now burn down the restaurant? Yeah. And take it a step further, let's go back to Minnesota. Yes. There was a story where there was a, a black guy that had a life savings that he invested into a bar that was about to open, especially after the COVID openings began. Yes. And the rioters and looters tore it down, burned it, hadn't even opened, and the guy's life savings. And then... So it's a black-owned business that gets torched, and then all of a sudden social media lights up with, oh, support black-owned businesses, and they put out listings and stuff. And that's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But again, what kind of heart does it take to burn something down and destroy something? It's kind of like the intolerance in the name of tolerance mentality. Well, yeah, son, and, and as you say that, one of the things I think about is, is the fact that every human being has been given uh, an internal... Uh, an internal gift from their creator, and it's called a conscience. And and so when a young person um, goes against his or her conscience and, and maybe is not even taught, you know, why it's wrong to steal, why it's wrong to damage somebody else's property, when, when, you, when you start maybe at a young age doing that and not being, you know, uh, corrected, not being held to account for that, um, then when you have an opportunity... And, and, and now your character is really going to be on full display. It, what it demonstrates, I think, Son, is that we have a lot of people who started going against their conscience at a, at a young age, basically have no conscience. Uh, and and we, could, we could say that across the board. I mean, how could you, as a police officer, stay knelt down on, on this suspect's neck 
the way that, that Derek Chauvin did. And, and likewise, on a lesser scale, but still uh, a very callous act, how can you go in and, and burn up somebody's you know, business that they've worked so hard to uh, to establish? How can you go in and just steal? You know, so there's no conscience there. Uh, you, you didn't get the sense that people were walking out of those stores with those shoes or that alcohol and, and that they were feeling in any way guilty about it. When you have, when you have uh, really um, gone against your conscience to the point where you've hardened yourself and, and, and your conscience now, rather than helping you, uh, the Bible actually says it can start to defend you. Uh, now, rather than the prosecuting attorney that you were created with on the inside, now it becomes your defense attorney and, and it starts to actually justify in your own mind, well, you know, I deserve this because, yeah, you know, I've been, I have been mistreated or maybe people of my race have been mistreated or, or whatever it might be, but um, that's going on. That's going on all the time on the internal workings of man, um, depending on whether or not he's been going against his his conscience or not. And and, and if he has, uh, then this this is often what you get. See, one of the things as we're talking with Dan Dozell here on the streets of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, as we're taking the podcast on the road, talking to people, and there's an empty chair next to me that we're going to try to fill with some people and get some comments from people uh, as they go by. But you know, Dan, we've called out people in the past. You know, you're a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska, and we've we've called out pastors, you know, prosperity gospel pastors and things like yeah. that. People that we thought were you know inaccurate in their theology, and and I think one of the things that is so divisive is the Al Sharptons of the world, the people that get up there and claim mm-hmm. to be something that they're really not. And instead right. of, you know, preaching the gospel of peace and the and the gospel of, you know, yeah, you want to preach don't kill, mm-hmm. but where's the preaching of don't steal? Right. You know, and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the things that to be fair yes. and to be equal, yes. to call him out because he seems to be one that is just as divisive and he could be someone that would be in a role yes. that could calm and have peace, but he likes to stir up the strife because I think without that strife, without yes. that oppression, then he feels he loses his authority yes. and he becomes irrelevant. I think that's a very fair point, Son, and a very good point. And, and you know, when you get someone who who shows up in the media spotlight when he recognizes that he can take advantage of a situation, when he can kind of ride the flames, the passion of, of this sense of injustice and, 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 and inflame people. You know, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, you being out in L.A., I, I, I saw that there was a, um, a tweet, I believe, from someone who's well-known in the black community, Ice Cube, and I think it was Ice Cube who uh, who made a, a tweet. You know, you know when when are we going to basically strike back? You know, and and this was like maybe a day or two before the real serious and heavy looting and rioting started. I mean, that's what I think when you mentioned Sharpton, that's what some of these people who may identify as ministers. If they're only going to address one example of injustice, but they're not going to call out the stealing, the destruction, then then you know what? It's like they they have no consistent message whatsoever. They're they're not helping. Um, they're not helping uh, the the people of their race. They're only taking advantage uh, in that moment. And and we need people of all races to speak up for what is right, what is wrong across the board, and not just to ride the wave of this uh, this injustice. And then I get you know I get my name out there, and I get to become the uh, you know a ringleader in in. Uh, uh, leading these demonstrations, and I'm really, you know, it, it's it just doesn't it doesn't fly when you're not willing to call out then um, the, the the other crimes that are happening now in response to the George Floyd murder. 
Well, let's even take it a step further. Let's take race out of it. I mean, yeah. we talk about uh, the city of Chicago, for example, had one of the worst, bloodiest weekends, they call it, lots of murders. So let's take a look at it from black-on-black black crime or white-on-white white crime. Yeah. You know, forget the race issue. I mean, you've got people that are out there that are committing crimes and acts against other people yeah. of the same race. So, yes, race and racial tensions right now seem to be at the forefront. But like you mentioned, yeah. the, once this thing die, dies down, yes. then there's going to be the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing. And it doesn't have to be a race thing; it could no, be it could right. be you know a gender thing between uh, you know what about spousal abuse? You know, you've that's got right. that going on. We've that's talked right. about how spousal abuse kind of increased yes. uh, during the the lockdown, and yes. and I've talked with teachers, and teachers saw that reports of child abuse were going down because yes. other people weren't seeing it. Yes. And so again, it doesn't matter. You can take the race issue out; you that's can take right. any issue out, and it goes back to you, and you start inserting other problems into the yes. race problem. That's right. And it goes back to the heart, the person, and the character of that person and how we treat one another. Well, you know, that that is exactly right, Son. It, it does go back to the heart. You know, I think about the, the verse in Scripture that says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so whether it be black on black crime, white on white crime, one race on crime against another, you know, when it, when it comes to crime, I would venture to guess that, that most crimes are done, done you know, irrespective of race. I mean, you know, if, if somebody sees an opportunity to take advantage of, of someone else and, and, and to actually then uh, go to the point of, of looting or killing or maiming someone, you know, um, while you do have those out there who, of course, are, are committing a hate crime, they're doing it because of the other person's race, what would you think? Maybe what ninety nine percent of of the of the times that's happening, it's irrespective of race. It's just because the person's heart is not where it needs to be, and and so they're 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 acting in a way that is is uh, murderous, is is uh, greedy, is selfish, and that's man's condition, and that's the problem that really has to be addressed uh, because it covers a lot more than than just than just racism. It covers the the, the deep issue of rebellion against God and then what that brings into a person's life in the way they treat other people. Yeah, and I mentioned this before because, again, we've talked about, okay, police need retraining because obviously some of the methods they use and some of the way they conduct things. And I've talked with, you know, people in the black community, and they have been profiled. They've been pulled over just because of the color of their skin and things like that. So, yes, yes, you need to have uh, a a retraining and revisit the training that you provide in officers. But also then it also comes down to the person, the individual, because the officer doesn't have to respond that way. And here's an example. When my father was in Vietnam, he was a lieutenant, so he oversaw some men. And when he took over his platoon, one of the things that he – made them do was treat the prisoners of war, the Viet Cong, with respect. Mm. Instead of throwing them around the truck, making them hit their head and things like that, mm. you had to treat them with respect. Yes. Now, the soldiers were like, hey, these people are just killing us. They were just right. trying to kill us. Right. But it came down to the fact that, yeah, they were the enemy, but as a person, they were valued as a person, and they mm. still they still need to be treated as the enemy. Yeah. They still need to be treated as prisoners of war. Yes. They still could not be trusted. All that was yes. taken into consideration, and there was no question about it that these yes. were the bad guys, yes. and they're, the, they're ready to kill us. Yes. But the way we treated them, the yes. way they were treated by the soldiers, had yes. to be with dignity and respect because they were That's humans. Right. That's right. So, again, it goes back to the individual person because if we're trained a certain way or if we're in a firefight. I mean, there was a, there was a, a video of a cop that was, I guess, talking to a homeless guy guy and then he just went berserk and started beating up the guy for no apparent reason and it's like come on man what are you doing and it's like okay 
at some point, if your training is a certain way, you still have to have that character. You still have to have that ability. Yes. I know, for example, a story, a guy, a uh, black guy got pulled over, I know, uh, Roland, and he was asked, where are you coming from? And he was like, he had a car full of laundry and, and laundry detergent. And, and he was like, I was at the laundromat. And yeah. so the police continued to question him. And it's like, and I started laughing kind of to it because it's like, dude, what are you thinking? The guy has yes. a car full of laundry. Yes. And, and his daughter was with him. And it's like, really, you still need to, you still need to pursue this racial approach because the guy, and then what it finally happened was the guy saw the daughter in the back and kind of said, okay, you can go. But it's like, the guy is the evidence there. If we go by evidence, the laundry is there. Yeah. You know, everything he said is there. There was no reason to get pulled over because I don't even think there was a reason he was pulled over. Right. Um, and so it's like, you know, you have to at some point in time, if you have that character, if you have that heart, even if your training dictates one thing yes. or you're in a situation that dictates a certain response, yes. if you have the character, the belief system, the ability, the character carved in stone, you will act differently yes. because you will value the person as a human. You still treat them if they're a bad guy. Yes. You still arrest them and still conduct your business but if you value them as a as a human yes. as as a god's creation yes. as all of us being made in god's image if you value them that way yes. i think your approach towards your job especially police officers for yes. example in this case would be different and you wouldn't stick your neck or the, your knee on the back of someone next for nine minutes for them to die or you wouldn't Absolutely. just go berserk on them and beat them up because he might have said something you'd have self-control and restraint and, yeah. and basically the fruits of the spirit yes Absolutely, Son. That is such an important point and such a good point that, that when you have an understanding of who your Creator is and the way He looks at all people and, and, and how much mercy He's given us uh, you know, in light of what we deserve, how good God has been to us, uh, most of all in sending His only Son to die for our sins even though we did not deserve it. You, know, you cannot receive that grace and then turn around and then um, behave in a way that you know looks for a way to hurt somebody uh, who might be in your custody, or looks for a way to just you know injure somebody because you have an opportunity to do that. You know that is so inconsistent with with just you know Christ inside of any human being who receives Him as Savior. You know I think about First John four nineteen. We love because He first loved us, and so once we know that, once we are spiritually reborn through faith in Christ. We have, uh, we have the presence of God inside of us. I love the word you mentioned here, uh, here just a second ago, Son, you know, that control, that self-control. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine things listed, and the last one is self-control. What did we not witness with Derek Chauvin? No self-control. What did we not witness in this latest video now with the officer standing there as people are pleading on the street? Man, do you see he's killing him? The guy's not even conscious now. You know, there was no self-control of this guy to step in and do something about it. What did we witness with the rioting and the looting? You know, a lack of self-control. So self-control is such a needed uh, quality. And, and, you know, I mean, this is why if, if, if schools and, and institutions and communities really wanted to help the, the, the people in their, in their community grow in self-control. There's no better way than to get a Bible in their hands, um, to, to let them learn about Christianity, to let them learn about what Jesus taught, what he modeled, um, to teach them the Beatitudes, you know, you know, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, because it goes even deeper than just the teaching. It gets to the core of your being. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And, and so Christ did not come primarily even as a teacher. He came primarily as a 
Savior. Um, you know, Christianity is not primarily just some system of morality. We already had the Ten Commandments. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what we needed was more than just another lawgiver. Um, we needed someone who would get to the root issue and who would who would reach the depth of us where we become, as the Bible says, a new creation. So we keep coming back to this, I think, today, Son. Ultimately, in all these different angles we're looking at, we're, we're coming back to the issue of man needs a new heart. Man needs to know the Lord. And then um, man will begin to treat his fellow man with, with respect, with love. I mean, even if, even if you have to detain someone or arrest someone, um, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And, and if you experience um, injustice, there's a right way to protest and a wrong way to protest. Yeah, and you know, we're going to start to wrap up our conversation here in a minute because we want to do get some people. I have an empty seat here if you're watching on video. And we want to fill it with some people walking by and get their comments and their perspective on things. But, but if you want a true example of patience and of maybe valuing the other person. You can look at Jesus. He was being crucified, and he, through the whole process, you had from Pontius Pilate to, the, uh, to his death, people mocking him. You had the soldiers that beat him. You had all this stuff, and God could have, in that instance, uh, sent his wrath upon these yes, people. Yes, Okay? But through all that... The greater good was that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, and Jesus needed to go through that, so God allowed it to happen. But on the flip side of that, it's like God saw them and Jesus saw them as people that he loved. Because he said, what did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, for they know not what they do, even though they were crucifying him. So it's almost like, and I don't want to dismiss anything that goes on in this world, because Jesus says, you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. But it's like, okay... Something bad happened, right? And justice needs to be done. Yes. But the way we go about doing it, we could take the example from Jesus and be like, instead of lashing out irrationally, right? Like I've said earlier, we can be on the right side of history, but we can go about it the wrong way. Yes. Versus going and being on the right side of history and going about doing it the right way. Yeah. Well, and and it reminds me of, of one of the things that that Jesus taught. You know, if if someone strikes you on one cheek, you know, turn to him the other also. You know, when uh, when when Peter pulled out his sword and, and cut off the ear there of one of the soldiers when Jesus was being arrested, you know, Jesus told him to put it away. I mean, the last thing Jesus was was doing was trying to cause a a, a political insurrection or upheaval or or forceful overthrow of something. Everything that Jesus brought into the world was a revolution that really is rooted in the heart. Um, you know, and, and this, of course, many people were, they were confused about with the Lord. They saw him as a threat. Even today, you know, you look at countries, whether it be China or wherever, you know, it may be, son, and they view Christians as a threat. You know, this is tragic. I mean, what their nation needs for peace is 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 Christianity. What they need for law and order is Christianity. And, and so the fact that Christians are being persecuted, um, it, it, it just... It, it, it really makes no sense when you look at what they could be bringing because it's the opposite of what Jesus taught. Some, you know, uh, violent overthrow. Um, that's not the way that the Lord taught his followers on how to bring about change. He taught his followers to go out and preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins, you know, through turning to Jesus, believing in him, being saved. And, and then that interchange then produces a change in your life. And, and that, in turn, is going to have an effect, of course, a good effect in your, uh, in your community.
Dan Delzell with me here on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, as we uh, talk racism and we talk about other things going on in this world. And what we're going to do now is we're going to transition and we're going to wrap up our conversation here. And we're going to try to get some people that are walking by to sit down here in this chair next to me, if you're watching on video. And uh, you can see the empty chair and get their thoughts and perspectives on things and, and, and bring the people and their voice to the conversation. And so what we're going to do is take, uh, we're going to, pause our conversation here and we're going to start working on other people we thank you for watching continue to watch and we'll be back momentarily with uh hopefully the voice of the people here on the streets of lincoln nebraska and we're back here on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, as we take the Hysteria Podcast Tour Summer 2020 on the road. And what we're doing is we're basically coming to the streets to talk to the people that are walking the streets to find out exactly what's going on in their minds with everything. We've got uh, the race tension still going on, plus some other things that are going on in this world. And, and we hear a lot of stuff on the news, and we, we look at social media. And a lot of times we think that the pulse of what's going on in America comes from the news and comes from social media. But we thought we would get to the people and actually find out and uh, recently we were able to uh, go up to uh, northwest iowa and talk to some people up there and now we're on the streets of lincoln nebraska the great state of nebraska and uh, we've got dan dozel with me and we've got a guy that we just kind of pulled off the streets jonah is his name and we're going to ask him some questions about what he thinks what's going on from a college perspective and uh jonah thanks for joining us today and just kind of to get things started um as a college student, the things that are going on in this world right now, I would imagine are pretty important because as you look to the future, you want to be able to have a world that you graduate, can get a job, and be productive instead of a world that's divisive and at war with each other. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that 100%. I, I think that's definitely a thing we want for sure. You know, Jonah, one of the uh, things that I've been wondering about, and maybe you have a thought on this, if this officer in Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin, if he is convicted of murder, as it looks like he, he probably will be, do you have any thought on uh, maybe what sort of sentence might be appropriate uh, for, uh, for that crime uh, that um, it seems that he, he committed? Any idea? Um, well, I think it's, uh, it's pretty, like, tough, obviously, to determine, you know? I mean... Many people might argue that, you know, well, obviously, George Floyd's death wasn't justified in any way. And uh, I feel like his, the, the officer's punishment should be to the highest degree so possible maybe, uh, may, maybe what, what do you think, would life in prison without parole, would that be too harsh, do you think, or not? Possibly, maybe not with without parole, but maybe a life sentence would... Would be justified, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, tough, it's really tough to say, you know. Like, right, right. I think the justice system is far more uh, qualified at handling it, you but bet. you know, uh, there's there's a lot of things you know wrong with the justice system too. So sure, sure. you sound like a protester. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're with Jonah here on the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, and Jonah, college student. What are some of the, I guess, ideas or what's the feeling, the mood of some of the students or your colleagues or your peers, friends even, uh, about everything that's going on? What's the sentiment you get from them? Obviously, there are a lot of people who are extremely upset with uh, injustices. Uh, you know, police brutality is something that a lot of people are speaking out on because it's it's not really justified if there's an innocent person doing things that you know and and they they're killed even for 
you know, and they're innocent. You know, a lot of people you'll hear them say, we live in, you know, our country, it's innocent until proven guilty. But in, you know, certain situations, they, they're guilty until proven innocent. So, and I guess the case of George Floyd, a lot of people argue, oh, well, he, the, the officer act, uh, acted as judge, jury, and executioner in that situation. So a lot of people aren't happy about that, you know, because, you know, if you want a, a system where you're innocent until proven guilty, you have to treat people as if they were innocent until proven guilty. So that is one way that I guess people, uh, like my peers, that's one way, like, I, way they're thinking, I would say, for sure, is that, that mentality, you know, that... We need to start treating people as if they are innocent because that's the way the system works. But, you know, obviously if there's a real threat and people's lives are actually at risk, I think an officer should take measures to both defend himself and, you know, other people around. So there are instances, I suppose, when, you know, force is necessary, but it's really a case-by-case and it's, it's a gray area, you know, like... Nothing in, in reality is black and white. And so, Antoine, just as we start the conversation, just give us your thoughts on things that are going on right now as you see them. I think things are awkwardly backwards. I mean, I'm an 80s baby. You know, the way I look at it, a lot of things are being looked at it from a wrong cultural diverse eye, eye view to me. I mean, I'm colorblind. You know, with all the things that's going on, people forget about unity. I mean, honestly, it's unity. It don't matter what part of the country you're in, north, south, east, west, midwest, coastwide. It don't matter. I mean, people are looking at things from the wrong point of view. What do you think it would take to make some change? People want change. But what do you think it would take to really get the change that people are looking for? It would take understanding and maturity. Just overall maturity, yo. That's it. And a lot of people are too afraid to break themselves to be mature enough to understand this person or that person. It, 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 don't, it don't take much. It might take, just like we're sitting there talking, it might take five seconds to pass judgment, but it might take less than that to even understand a person and say, okay, I'm comfortable with this person. Or, you know, even though we have different hair, different color, different texture, right. just take, understand it, man. Yeah. Now, one of the things I noticed, you're wearing a, a Bulls cap. Yeah. I've got my L.A. Kings hat, so I'm from L.A., Lakers fan. Chicago. Yeah, okay, Chicago. <laughs> so I can look at you and judge you as a Bulls fan and be like, oh, you're a Bulls fan. That's horrible. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's, it's different because, you know, sports and everything is, is a different, different world. But it's like... Why do we do that when it comes to other things, you know? I mean, it's like we, we like you said, you, you, you have to have maturity, but you judge people based on what you see, and yet you don't even know who they are, and they could be really cool people. This is the funniest thing I would say. That would say, I never understood this thing I got older. They say tomato, tomato, ketchup, salsa. Yeah. Same thing. Right. You still deal with tomatoes, man. I mean, it's the same thing. It may have a different texture. It may be cut a different way. It may taste different, but it's, it's the same thing. Yes. It's the same thing, you know what I mean? That's how I wake up every day. It's like they got different waters. You got Fiji, you got an apple. You got this brand. It's all still water. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I mean, I, that's how simple I am. You know, Antoine, I love your laid-back attitude. And, and, you know, like San said, I mean, and we all know, I mean, there's a lot of tension today. You know, what what do you what do you make of, like, um, I mean, obviously, we, we all know how how wrong and, and th- this murder of George Floyd. I mean, anybody with, with any sense at all is going to see that for what it is, you know, and, and, yeah. and, just, and just horrible thing. 
What do you make of, of, of the response of, of people from, from various races? But there seem to be a lot of pent-up emotion and feeling. And, and uh, you know, some people say, well, you know, we, we were in the lockdown, so that maybe contributed. But obviously, I mean, you know, we, we live in a nation where, where there, there, there's been a real, you know, troubled past. And so a lot of that is still now being churned back up because of this. Um, yeah. So what, where, where, do you, where do you kind of place the, the, your thought on why, why now? Why did this seem to light the fuse? I mean, there have been other things. There have been Ferguson. There have been the other ones. But yeah. man, this one, it just, it just blew up. So why is that? Honestly, like from a public eye view, it's just my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of things over years and time. Yeah. But my overall opinion does not rank over the public. Yes. A lot of things has happened that people don't even know about. Yes. Like, honestly. So for that, this to go public and everyone just lose it. I think about this at the end of the day. People riot. You tear down markets. Where do you shop at? You know, if these folks come to my neighborhood, tear down my market, and I got to figure out where do I shop, the safety of my daughter. I mean, it, it is a big society, but I've had at least five people in my life personally killed behind this situation. Oh, wow. You know, and everybody who rioted don't even know the people in my life that died behind this situation. Yes. And they're, they're not going to change the fact that they're gone off their actions, you know. And it doesn't matter the color issue, man. It's like yeah. you can't change the things. It, it, it happened. But it's about everyone's actions that's put toward it that, that had a reaction. Yes. You don't see me out here losing my mind. Yes. I mean, for what? Yes. I still got to wake up in the economy, produce funds, make yes. money, um, invest in the stock. At the end of the day, once everything's burnt down, who's going to rebuild it? Wow. What I'm the a, person that's out here working trying to help rebuild it because I got to still live here. Man, what an amazing, live here. amazing perspective. It's just, it's just an honest fact, you know what I mean? I mean, I can have my opinion. Whoever doesn't like it, there's their fault. There's their fault you right. know what I mean? What are they working toward? You know, there's, there's two ways to do things. You can either be a vandal or you can be a builder. Mm. I learned that you can structurally be positive and uplift and build something without being negative. Yes. But based off the reactions of a negative crowd doesn't mean you have to react in that manner. Mm. By Quinn and Caden. And uh, we'll start with you, Caden. Uh, when you look at the things going on today in society and what's going on with the racism and the rioting and the violence and people wanting change, so there's good and bad, uh, just generally, what are your thoughts on, on the, the state of affairs that you see going on today? Um, I think as of right now, it's necessary. There's a lot of things that aren't going well in our society, and I feel like we've just been brushing it under the rug for too long. So I think it's good that we're seeing change and that things are people are talking about it and stuff like that. When you look at the future, I know people want change now, but at some point, things may die down and we get back to normal life. But to have change for the future, make permanent change and not just change for now, what do you think needs to be done? I think the first step is not letting things go back to normal and holding people accountable. I don't think it's realistic to say that there is going to be a different future if we let it die down. So I think, like, the proper way to go about it is just to continue, you know, speaking out and, like, making sure, holding people accountable and getting policies, voting, stuff like that, just changing. Do you think your generation, because we've had people talk about change over the years, and every generation there's a change, something happens. It seems like every 25, 30 years an event happens and, and we want change, but it never really sticks. Do you think this is the generation, you guys are the generation that can make that change stick? I think so. I, I mean, in recent events, I feel like we haven't really slowed down once where we started. Like, as soon as the whole George Floyd incident happened, there was uproar, and it hasn't died down since. And I think that's really, really important that we just keep that alive. So I think at this rate, yeah, for sure. 
Do you think it's something that can happen on a national level to start, or do you think it's something that's going to happen at the roots, the grassroots level, the community level, and then grow from there? I think if we want any change at the national level, it needs to start in the grassroots, like in the communities that you're in, even in rural communities that don't see these things. You know, there's no protests in central Nebraska, but you know, getting talking about it and getting like the ideas out there, I feel like doing that in rural communities will, you know, eventually transform into like on a national level. Do you think rural communities, you mentioned rural communities, so you've got the urban cities and the rural communities. Do you think this uh, this isn't just as important issue in rural communities as it is, as it is in, the, in the big cities? Yeah, I feel like, especially in rural communities, even though, you know, they might not see the racism, like, in their own communities, I definitely feel like it's something that needs to be acknowledged because ultimately everyone just we need to educate everyone and like fill people in on the information that they might not understand and in rural communities where there's not much diversity or you know there aren't you know acts of violence towards innocent people they might not understand and they might think that it's not a big deal so i think just educating and making sure that everyone's on the same page of like where the good and the bad are drawn you mentioned kind of rural communities, not too much diversity, but do you think that it's a it's a people issue because it doesn't necessarily have to be black, white, or race on race. It could just be people on people where there's problems too. So do you think ultimately it gets it gets beyond the race issue to where people just have to be nice to people in general, and then that will bleed over into the race thing, or do you think it's two separate things? I think the people being nice to people is a good outlook, but until we address the race thing, we can't have that. And, Quinn, what about you as we talk about this? Um, when you take a look at things that are going on right now, how do you see it? I just think it's a disaster, and I feel like you guys were kind of talking about generations earlier, and I feel like our generation, Gen Z, is we're tired of it, and we're not going to tolerate anything that's going on anymore. When we, when we see injustice in the world, we fight it. And I just, like, I'm really proud of us for understanding and recognizing that this is a serious issue and that we, we can't accept it anymore. You know, one of the things that I've heard from people and talking with people is that, you know, when you don't have diversity and, uh, like Caden was saying, sometimes in the rural communities there's not diversity and so it's not an issue and people might not think of it as an issue. Do you think that's wrong for people outside of those communities just to assume that somebody doesn't care about an issue because it doesn't affect them directly? I mean, you probably shouldn't make general assumptions about groups of people, but if they're detached from that situation, they can't fully grasp the concept and the impact that George Floyd's death has had on communities. And so I think it's important to recognize and educate and have discussions with them, be like, do you understand why this is so impactful and important? Because even in communities, it's like that racism is still an issue. It's an issue everywhere, and it's something that we're always going to have to fight and deal with. When you look at solutions, what do you see as things to solve this problem how can we solve the issue of racism the issue of racism that's a great question or, I think, or even just begin i mean maybe not even have a, a an answer of solution but how can we just begin to start getting to the point of change that we want well, I think the first thing a lot of people should do is recognize that racism is an issue. Like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, the civil rights movement happened. It's done. Everyone got their rights and they're great. But that's absolutely not the truth. And that's not what's going on at all. And so the first step is education and telling everyone and educating people that, like, it's still an issue and so prevalent in our day to day lives, even in the city of Lincoln. 
and that's probably the most important first step. And then from there, people can elect officials who care and who will make the policy changes. And then those, it, yeah, it's just yeah. education is probably the most important thing right now. Yeah, that seems to be kind of one of the underlining themes is education, yeah. learning. And especially if you don't know, educate yourself because then you will find out. And that's what I've been learning and talking with people is there's issues that go on that I'm not even aware of. Exactly. That just by talking with people. I hear their stories and what they go through because what doesn't affect me might affect you. And by talking to you, I, I learn and understand yeah. what you go through. And one thing that I think is really cool is on social media so much, I have seen people posting about bail funds and resources and books you can educate yourselves on, films you can watch, documentaries you can watch, just like resources for people who may not fully grasp the gravity of the situation to learn and understand why these things are happening and why they're an important issue to combat. You know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote his speech, and he visioned a world in which his kids could have this perfect world, so to speak, where we all get along. And it's been a number of years now. We still haven't gotten there. Do you think that one day we will get there? I want to think so, and I really think we can. I just think it's it starts at the base level of, like, reminding your kids, like, everyone is equal, everyone deserves the same rights, we should never discriminate or judge on any basis, and just really starting to, like, educate ourselves. Like I was saying earlier, I think education is the fundamental thing we can do to begin to get to that place, because we're far from a perfectly equal society. Far from it. The conversation has been with different people. I've talked with Brandon Wade, I've talked with Daniel West, I've talked with Roland Wiley, uh, some black men sharing their thoughts, and the, the underlining theme is we need to talk to everybody, and we need to start the dialogue and the conversation. So we've hit the streets, we're on the road in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we found somebody who is all the way from Los Angeles, California. And I would imagine he's also wearing a shirt from MIT. And I know he was telling me a little bit before is that he's got a friend that, that goes to MIT and he was uh, in school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin himself. So he's been around. So we thought we'd ask him, his, uh, ask him some questions about what's going on in the world from his perspective, another college-age student. And, and you were telling me that you've got a lot of friends uh, in Los Angeles and other places that you've met that are from different races, different uh, cultures. Uh, how has that been? What's your experience been like with these uh, various friends that you have going on? I mean, it's different with everybody. Um, everybody has different views on uh, things that are going around in the world. But, I mean, you know, we're all spread out right now, you know, being in college and, uh, you know, briefly talking to everybody uh, with what's been going on. I mean, everybody has different opinions and, uh, you know, uh, how they think. You mentioned different opinions. When you guys talk, are those opinions respected by everybody and you guys kind of understand? Or do you guys kind of stand your ground and only believe what you think you should believe? Uh, I think it depends on, on who you're talking about because there's obviously people who, who will listen to other people's opinions and, you know, take it in. But then there's other people who just think you're outright wrong. Um, so I definitely think it's uh, uh, the, the person who you're talking to. Uh, it can go both ways. Um, but typically uh, within the people that I've talked to, you know, they're open to, to hearing, you know, other sides. Now, your friends coming from different ethnicities, different cultures, what's it been like having friends from different cultures and different races? It's nice because you, uh, you get to learn about new things, you know. You're not just in one, you know, like because I'm a white man. So if I just had friends that are white, you know, I can't expand in, you know, diversity. So it's nice to learn a little bit about that. What would you think would be some of the solutions moving forward with this racial tension that we have where we could solve the problem of racism? 
Uh, I mean, to me, I think it's pretty simple. Just, you know, everybody on this earth, you know, we were all created, you know, as one person. And, you know, nobody's above anybody else. So no matter the color, no matter the race, no matter what you believe in. Um, so moving forward, if we just all, you know, walk together and treat everybody, you know, as equals like we should, then I think we'll be fine. If you were, if you were to see somebody out there and, and somebody was wondering what it would be like or what we should do to kind of get along, what do you think some solutions might be to get along? Um, talk it out. Uh, and just if you talk it out, then you can find out the other person's side of the story and you can tell them your side of the story and then you become friends again and it's all good. One of the things that I've learned through the previous podcast is we need to start a dialogue we need to start a conversation we need to include as many people as we can and so getting out on the streets and coming to the heartland because i'm in la and so i get a perspective of people in la but what about other people we were in uh, northwestern or uh, iowa okaboji area and talked to some people there now we're on the streets of uh, lincoln nebraska we've got jack here with us who's a, a husker a unl student and uh, and jack just as we start the conversation, what are some of your thoughts just in general on some of the things that are going on right now in our country? I think it's awesome, and I think this is long overdue, and it's like an important conversation that the entire country's having, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Now, from your perspective, when you take a look at things, uh, especially from like a college perspective and on campus, what, with your classes and things, what has kind of been the, the, perce- uh, the reception of things that are going on on campus? Um, I'd say that UNL has always been a very progressive school, so I think it's always been inclusive. That's coming from my perspective, though. I can't really speak for other people, but from the conversations that I've been a part of, it seems very respective and respectful to people of all different walks of life, I would say. What do you think as we look at one of the things that people are talking about is solutions. You know, we have this issue, and like you talk about progressive moving forward, but there has to be a solution. And right now we're kind of in this frenzied mode, and it doesn't look like we're going to have a solution right now because of everything that's going on. But down the road, we need to have solutions. What do you think could be some of those solutions? Uh, really, with this movement, I did not know anything about systemic racism before this, and that really opened my eyes to everything involving that. And I'm, I'm no expert on anything, but... I definitely think we need to start looking at that. And I learned about like school districts, for example, because Omaha is one of the most segregated school systems in like the Midwest, and it's just like those like black concentrated neighborhoods, and they have terribly poor funding, and that's just not fair to children growing up with that. So I think starting with issues like that can really help in all different kinds of ways. But so it sounds like just learning about the issue, educating ourselves, and understanding the issue would be a start. What about people to people? I mean, you know, you don't know us. You just kind of sat down with us, start talking to us. But, you know, as we sit here as people talking, you know, I value your opinion and what you have to say because I want to know it. And I think that's one of the things that's missing is sometimes people don't value what the other person has to say, and it just becomes dismissive, and then there's a divide. I think it's really easy to talk, but it's hard, harder to listen. So actually hear somebody, what their experience is, why they think the way they think, that's super important to have that empathy yes. to really understand another person. Do you think one of the things we've been also asking is, is you know, alternative things, okay? We have politics. Like I said, you have education. But we, we, were, we were asking people about kind of the faith-based perspective on things. You know, some people are religious in certain, uh, with certain uh, religions and, uh, and there's certain beliefs and stuff. Do you think that if we had, like, the, the church community or the religious community or the faith-based community come in, do you think that could make a difference, too, and not just rely on politics only? Definitely. I'm from, like, a... I'm a Christian. I come from, like, a non-denominational church, and uh, I was kind of surprised with how much they spoke up just because I didn't really see that coming necessarily because it's, like, a white 
majority church. Mm. But um, they just talked about Bible verses like stand up for the people that don't have a voice, speak yes. out against oppression. It's our duty to hear those people yes, and fight for them just as much as we would fight for ourselves. You know, that's very interesting, Jack. And, you know, I, I too, have heard and seen, it seems like, a, a, a good number of churches and, and Christians speaking up and saying, hey, you know, we have to be part of the solution here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as you mentioned, you know, the systemic racism has to be addressed. Do you think uh, ultimately across the board it's ultimately ultimately going to boil down to a heart issue? I mean, is, is you know politics and all these different laws and rules, but but where does the heart fit into this? Is that ultimately where where we need to be turning and, and even asking asking God to help with our heart? Do you think that's maybe a key in this? I definitely think so. It, everything comes from the heart. Yeah. So that's I try to go on a walk every day and pray about it at the Capitol. Not, not for peace, but for change that leads to peace. Oh, that's and I wish that people could have, would open their hearts to that too. Yeah. And I, yeah. I know that I still have so much learning to do, but that's just my little part. So, See, yeah. When you talk about change, I, I find that fascinating because you're taking your steps for yourself. And that's what I think people don't understand is you don't always have to have this group change, this group mentality, these group uh, you know, conversations. That's helpful. But also, if you're just doing something on your own, that could be beneficial, too. And, and especially for someone like you at the college level, imagine all those students on UNL just doing something by themselves to affect change, whether it's help somebody or whether it's to you know just pray about it or whether it's just to do your interactions with people, just something from the campus of UNL would make with all the people there and the students there. And if each one made just a little change, that would equal huge change in Lincoln. Exactly. Everything starts in the community. Well, as an individual, then the community, then the nation. And just, I'm trying to think, like, I come from a super small town of a thousand people, and it's more of like an all lives matter type of town. Yes. And I used to be that type of person, too, because I was like, why does it have to be, why has everybody got to be different? But I you have to have that perspective change of it doesn't mean any that nobody else matters less it's just that they need to be equal and that's it's more of all lives can't matter until black lives can matter yes. and like something as simple as posting on social media i had so many conversations that came from that of people that wouldn't have been exposed to it unless i would have done that yes. so even something as small as that can have a big impact and I think people need to realize that, that small change leads to big change. Yeah. And, Taylor, one of the things that we've been discussing is the current state of affairs here in America, obviously with the racism and uh, issues of racism, and was just wondering, from your perspective, what's your thoughts on things going on? I think that a big part of what's contributing to the, at least, added drama and a lot of the hindrances of the Black Lives Movement um, is running into is lack of um, consistent communication. There's a lot of terminology that's being dis- um, discerned and understood differently between different groups. Um, there's not a lot of people actively looking into and understanding the background to things that are going on, which makes a lot of misunderstandings and stances that are uneducated and then more conflicted um, more easily. Um, I think this is all st- spurred a lot by long-standing issues that we haven't effectively handled, but people oversimplify. What do, you, what do you think moving forward, because everyone's talking about solutions, what we can do to solve the problem, what do you think might be some of the issues, or how are some ways we might be able to go and address racial relations? A lot of people want to establish more laws, and others want to defund the police or police reform, which are all things we've tried doing for years and years and years. But when you make a law, only people who actively want to follow the law are the ones who are going to follow it. So I don't believe that implementing more laws is going to do anything. I believe that 
although it's a much longer solution, the best thing we can do and the most effective thing we can do is start act, um, actively instilling a more communal mindset in children. By instilling a better, more accepting mindset in the next generation, you ensure the future. Because you're not going to change hearts by putting new laws. You need to actively connect with people. Changing a heart will change their perspective and change their interaction with the world. You know, one of the things we've been uh, asking people, because you mentioned laws, mm. and, and how laws might not be the answer, or more laws anyways, do you think any, like, uh, people of faith or things like that, do you think some of those alternative uh, ways of, of how we treat people and how we interact with people could be a, a way to help uh, people get along? Um, I actually used to work in youth ministry so and go to a Bible college, so that's a stance wow. that I actually take this from. Yes. I believe that... Yes, just put it simply, yes. I believe that the biblical principles that were taught and that come from the Bible are what an ideal society would be for accepting people. Um, when ministry is done right, we're told to accept people as they are, not to judge them for the struggles they might have, but to accept them as something better than ourselves. And I think that when you're interacting with someone or something that you're not familiar with... I grew up in a small town in Iowa, so almost entirely white. We maybe had three non-white people in our in my entire school. Wow. So coming to Omaha and going to college in a much better, bigger city, it was something I was not familiar with. Yeah. But accepting people as something even better than you are, if not at least yourself, I mean, as the same as yourself, is what will actively make you treat them in that better way. Accept people as they are, not what they've been, but what they could be.